As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What are the qualities, Jerry, that you have seen up close uh, from Mike McCarthy that that have impressed you with, 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 with his coaching ability? Not one time. Not one time. Have I been in any discussion, had any dream, been sitting by myself? Have I given a thought to anything but Mike McCarty being our coach next year and being our coach in the future? How in the hell something like that could get going with a conversation with Stephen or anybody else about whether McCarthy's going to be the coach or not is uh, ridiculous. Now, uh, just think about it. Uh, we've just made the move to uh, start down the road with our coach. And, and unless you all of a sudden have somebody that has just totally different person than, than they were when they were having their success, their backgrounds can make a lot of difference here. And uh, I've been known to stick with these guys for uh, in early troubled times on coaching. You know, Jerry, you mentioned it never I even... don't understand, frankly, to show how ridiculous this conversation is. <laughs> in terms of it actually having any meat on the bone, is uh, I've, I've never even, I don't think I've even dreamed the thought of might not be in the coach. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Well, we're rounding out the 2020 season here for the Dallas Cowboys. Three games to go. Up next on the docket, the San Francisco 49ers, current NFC champion. San Francisco 49ers facing the Dallas Cowboys. And who will it be? Because there's a lot at stake when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys these days. Is it uh, an NFC East title or a draft pick? It's week by week. There are scenarios in which the Cowboys can still make the playoffs. Maybe we'll talk about those with this episode. So welcome in. I'm Kent Garrison, producing About Them Cowboys for another week. And excited to welcome in our panel, as always, because they are the best of the best when it comes to covering America's team. So make sure you're giving them a follow on social media. Make sure you're subscribed to The Athletic. Make sure you are subscribed on the podcast platform of your choice, because the show doesn't stop when the season ends. Off-season, combine, draft, free agency, all that kind of stuff is going to come at you via this podcast. So stay tuned for that. But now, let's welcome in these panelists. First, from The Athletic, resident Dallas star, Saad Youssef. From The Athletic as well, resident Dallas Cowboy beat writer, 
John Mashoda, and, of course, Kevin KT Funtweets Turner. Guys, welcome back. Good to see you all again. And um, let's, I guess, get into this 49er game here in a bit. But, KT, let's let's rewind and maybe talk about what's going on at the Star. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the news today, at least I thought one of the biggest topics was Zeke not practicing. Um, still with the little bruised calf. Um, feels like he's got to manage it. This is something I was kind of calling for on the last podcast, kind of hoping – you might go ahead and just shut it down for the year with Zeke just because I, I truly believe running backs don't need to, they need to minimize as much uh, wear and tear on their bodies as possible. So I would prefer Zeke to not play if he is your starting running back next year. Is that the latest on, on Zeke John? Just kind of didn't practice, but probably going to give it a go on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, that's what it, the same situation was last week. And so Zeke wants to play. And so as long as they have a chance of making the playoffs as small as that chance is, he's still, he's going to want to be out there. And, and I don't see how Mike McCarthy could not put him out there if he wants to play. So uh, basically he was on resistance cords today and he's going to need some time to warm up before the game. But he said after the first series or two uh, last week, you know, he was feeling good and felt like himself. He just, you know, it's, it, I guess it gets a little tight and he has to loosen it up or whatever. And then he's good to go. So that's where he's at right now, but I would expect him to play against the 49ers, and then maybe if they lose that game and they're out of it or Washington wins again, knocks him out of it, maybe they reassess. But, yeah, obviously, KT, you represent probably 95 to 99% of people listening to this podcast right now. They want to see more Tony Pollard. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it, but I don't see any uh, way that happens uh, if Zeke is – healthy enough to play. I mean, Saad, do you see them at any point allowing Tony Pollard to get the lion's share of the carries, even if they're both, uh, they're both healthy and on the field? Uh, you know, I think, I, I think you can, I think there's a possibility because I, I think the, the Cowboys are, are going to, are going to start using them very situationally uh, in terms of Zeke and, and Tony Pollard. You saw that late in the game as well, where, you know, it was Tony Pollard, who was coming out of the flat, catching a touchdown, things like that. I think what Tony Pollard does well, it, they'll use him, and they won't try to force it to Zeke. We've seen it in the past when they try to when they try to put Zeke out in routes and have him up the field and things like that. It just doesn't look good. Like he's not he's not Christian McCaffrey as much as everyone wants to get him involved in the pass game and things like that. That's just not what he does. So I think situationally, they're, they'll start to use them more 50-50 because. Even if Zeke is playing, and a lot of people want him not to for, for various reasons. One, you know, Tony Pollard just looks to have more juice than Zeke. But also, you want to preserve your big investment, financial investment, for, for meaningful games next year. But I think, you know, when, when it's time to bang out some runs, it's going to be Zeke. But when it's time to, to really open up the offense, I still think Tony Pollard's going to get his share of opportunities. Look, you can't, even if you look at last game, Zeke's total was, you know, it, it was, it was whatever it was. If you take away that 26 yards, I think he had something like 11 carries or something for like, for like 20 something yards. It wasn't, he's still like, you know, short quote unquote, short yardage back, bang, bang type back. So I think it'll still be split. I just don't think it'll be 50, 50. You know, there's been a lot of chatter on the radio stations, right? Really, the Cowboys flagship station is kind of carrying the interviews. Jerry and Stephen both defending McCarthy, basically saying, you know, McCarthy is safe. We, we know that's the case. I, I've kind of moved past that, too. I don't think that was ever uh, a, like a realistic thing. I do wonder how much, uh, how annoyed 
uh, the coaches are because that's almost been the, a bigger talking point than the players on the field has been, you know, talking about McCarthy's future, Mike Nolan, even KT, uh, who cares? Just, Seriously, who cares? Yeah. They're the Dallas Cowboys. You're, you're, you've won. Look at the way you've played this year. Like you have to expect or if, and if you don't expect that, don't take the job. Nobody said that you have to take this job. When you have these results, people people are going to sit there and be critical of of your side of the ball when it's played historically bad. So that's what that's what's going to happen, you know. And I think but all those guys nice. understand it too, though, you know. But the job's real nice and cozy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's also it's also a lot of the stuff has directly been coaching things. Like this isn't something like we're looking for a scapegoat. It's like it's right there in front of you. You running fourth and ten. From your own 24, you're running a fake punt. There have been situations in the past where there have been 14, not 12 men on the field, 14 men on the field. For th- These are coaching things. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, we're like, all right, well, lo- where should we place the blame? And, and then we just resort to the coaches because that's the easiest thing to do, which happens oftentimes to quarterbacks, right? Like a lot of times we're like, what's the problem? Okay, the quarterback's the problem. But that's not the case here. This team has been unprepared i mean the coaching staff one week ago was trying to get nfl players in december to play with effort and that is i mean that that's a player's thing yes you should always be trying to play with effort but the fact that the coaches have to even do that just tell just tells you what their message has been like and what their run has been like through the first few months so i i don't even think i, I don't even think it's unwarranted like it's unwarranted i think the coaches deserve what they're getting in terms of the chatter and the blame. They've become the Texas Longhorns in a way. Uh, I guess where I was trying to, trying to get to those the idea of what good does it do Jerry and Steven to say that McCarthy is safe? Like I'm over it. I, again, I, I don't think McCarthy should be fired, but what if we do see some even crazier stuff in the final three weeks and see full give up? Like why does Jerry, do Jerry and Steven need to go say that McCarthy's safe? Like, Oh, because Jerry doesn't like, care. I mean, he's, I mean, yeah. Name another person that has gone on record as many times as Jerry has with the, just because I said it doesn't mean it's so. I mean, he literally will say whatever he wants. It doesn't matter because, because okay, so let's, we'll do the two different hypotheticals. He sits there and he says that, that Mike's my guy and um, it's ridiculous I would even be asked about that. And then like behind the scenes, let's say, and this is just a hypothetical, there's no truth to this or any reason that this would happen. But let's say like Lincoln Riley, Urban Meyer, like I really want the job. And he's like, all right, cool. You got the job. And then in January, when they have a press conference, he'll say, we never thought that we'd have a chance to get this guy. So that's why, you know, when it, when that opportunity came available, we were like, we have to take this. We didn't think he would be interested. It just was too good of an opportunity to pass up. We, I mean, we really like everything that Mike did. He did, probably didn't get, get a great chance to have a lot of success considering the pandemic and things like that. But uh, we're going in another direction. And so then they'll take some questions about it and, There'll be some articles and they'll talk on the radio and TV and criticize Jerry for saying that Mike was his guy, but then he wasn't. And then everybody will go on with their day. So like it literally doesn't hurt anything. The only way it hurts things, I think, is if he sat there and was like, uh, like at this, if this stage saying, I need to still see more from them. Cause what does that really do at this point? You know, like all that does is it makes the players look at it as kind of like, man, why am I even playing for this stuff? I mean, this, this staff's gone like who cares let's just mail it in you know so he almost has to say that at at this point you know um yeah and also john to your point this this sports we've heard it time and time again sports are a business i mean just off the top of my head just think about it remember when cliff kingsbury was like oh yeah josh rosen because you know we invested a first round pick in him so yeah josh will be fine when it came time to draft though and when, when when the guy was there when kyler was there 
you know, whatever whatever Cliff said when he took the job about Josh Rosen being the guy right out the window. And and to John's point, who today still talks to Cliff Kingsbury about, well, you know, you said Josh Rosen was your guy. Why did you go to Kyler? Same thing happened in Denver back in 2012, whatever it was. Yeah, Tim Tebow won you a playoff game. He's your guy. Well, Peyton Manning wasn't freaking available when that happened. So, yeah, when you committed to Tim Tebow, that was fine. But then Peyton Manning happened, so then you go that direction. So I think you have to, you can always commit to something and then back away because circumstances changed and, and you know, things happened. And at the end of the day, sports are a business, and that's, that's just kind of the way it goes. I think it's kind of funny with, like, my Twitter account. I, I, I would say that 70% of the things I tweet out, well, we'll say at least 60, are quotes. And so I tweet out a lot of quotes from Jerry Jones. And now over the time of me being down here tweeting, I've been tweeting out Jerry quotes since 2011, okay? And I sometimes get it from fans a little bit. And I wonder like how serious they think that like every quote I tweet, like I think is like something like, like that I really believe what, what like Jerry said or something like that. I'm putting it out there because it's entertainment. Like I don't believe half the stuff that's being said, you know? I mean, it's just, it, it's good and, it, and it's interesting. And again, my background where I come when I like living in Detroit, in, in my entire time growing up there, from all four major sports teams combined, I heard I heard I've heard Jerry talk more one, in one week than all of their front office members in an entire season combined. Yeah. You know, so it's like so I put those quotes out there and stuff like that. But it's like you can't take any of that stuff too seriously. I mean, again, for a guy that literally says multiple times just because I said it doesn't make it so. I mean, literally is telling you that like yeah, I'm saying it right now, but we'll reevaluate later on. You know. Like, it's like here's the other thing. We're going to get into defensive coordinator, but how, where, where does that go? Like, yeah. okay, yeah, Mike, you can stay, but you picked your defensive coordinator, and it wasn't the right guy, so now we're going to pick your defensive coordinator. Well, That's, that's when things get direction. really fun. That's the other direction I wanted to go, because Steven said one of the regrets he might have had was not fully diving in to a 4-3 or a 3-4 and just kind of being on this uh, just kind of level of like, oh, well, we're going to be multiple. Like he kind of said that. And I you thought mean, it was interesting. Oh, it, you know what it's called? It's called the try to make everyone happy defense. Yeah. We're going to try and make everyone happy by saying that we're going to adapt and we're going to be a three. Anybody like three, four out there? We're going to be kind of three, four. Oh, oh, you guys like four threes? We're going to do four threes too. Oh, you guys want interceptions? Well, we're going to get interceptions. Oh, you guys. Oh, rush the passer. We're going to rush the passer. You want us to be more multiple? That's that's what our defense is. We're going to be very multiple. It's just like, it's everything that you want to hear. Here you go. It, but it was enough to get you kind of excited. I like to go, oh, okay, well, it's different because different, <laughs> oh, because oh, we, all, we all thought it's been different, different was better. We and thought it's been different, different was better. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole thing. I, I reference this a lot, not so I apologize, but like it's the whole idea of a half measure, though. That's what I thought Stephen was kind of regretting. Like, dude, if we're going to commit the crime, we need to commit the crime. All right. We bury the body. You know, like we're not, no half measures, Walt. Like, so the kind of vibe I got when I read that quote, and I didn't hear the interview or the context of the interview, but I started thinking about uh, Alden Smith. In fact, today on the um, on the Athletic, Bob had a good piece on Alden Smith, just kind of out, outlining what a good deal might be for Alden Smith. And there's a part of me that thinks it might be too late to talk any value for Alden Smith unless he's dying to be here. And and Alden Smith does have connections to Mike Nolan. I think that's important. Um, but Alden Smith, uh, Bob kind of outlined – Two years at around fourteen million, or maybe one year at eight to ten million, might be able to get it done. 
I, I honestly think Bob might be a little low there, and I don't really have a lot of interest in bringing back Alden Smith at that money. If it's more than that, they they can go in another direction. <laughs> they they got to go in another direction to get <laughs> go younger. Needs to get and more faster. than that. Thank you for your services. But I, yeah, I wanted to see what y'all thought about those numbers because I that's to, like it really was a good projection, I think, by Bob. But I was at the tipping point of like, am I comfortable doing that? And you look at the splash plays, one and a half fewer splash plays than Demarcus Lawrence, who you see making plays every week. I was like, okay, what a, yeah. what a year. But it's almost got some Robert Quinn to it. Doesn't yeah, it? Like, that's what I was going to say. It, yeah. You look at what, what kind of happened last year with Robert Quinn and and another team just came in and priced him out of their out of their range. And, you know, with the way Randy Gregory's come on here, especially, maybe maybe they think they have something there and they go with Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory and see what – Dorrance Armstrong has and see what Bradley and I has and see what this draft has and see who's on the street. Um, I would love to keep Alden Smith, but I think somebody's going to see what he did this year and throw the bank at him. And another, another important piece is who the defensive coordinator is. Yep. Cause if it's a defensive coordinator that wants to run an absolute four or three, I don't see where Alden Smith fits in there, mm-hmm. but if it's going to be the multiple, make everybody happy defense, where we're going to do four, three, three, four hybrid, mix it up. Mm-hmm. And it's just a continuation of what they were doing before then yeah, he fits in there. But they're never going to go full 3-4 as long as DeMarcus Lawrence is on this team, and DeMarcus Lawrence isn't going anywhere. Yeah, and also, I'm really curious, John, about your opinion on this. Uh, Do you think, like, Randy Gregory is someone who can even... Because I I think Kent brings up a great point. I mean, you know, Gregory's come on strong, but is this a guy who can even play defensive end or whatever, or is he really just a, you know, designated pass rusher at this point? I mean, he's probably a little bit of a designated pass rusher, but I feel like at the same time, like... I think he's I think he's got good enough size that he can be out there for all your, you know, all your money downs. I mean, so you might not have him in your base. You can go find a bigger D end that's not that expensive or in the draft uh, to play on your first downs and, and, and in your running like goal line situations and things like that. And he can be your pass rusher. And I still think, like Kent said, go find a pass rush, another pass rusher in the draft some point. Um, or, or go get somebody that that's somewhat of a bargain out and free agency who I mean, they've seemed to have been able to find these guys over the last few years, whether it be, you know, Robert Quinn's or Alden Smith's, or, I mean, even like a Kerry Hyder or somebody like that, that it's just yeah. like, it doesn't cost you a lot. It's basically like a one year thing. I mean, for a while there, I mean, Seattle's going to make the playoffs and, and their top pass rusher for a while was Benson Mayo. So it's like, yeah. I mean, you can find another guy to plug in there. You don't, every single edge rusher doesn't need to be somebody that you're like, well, if this guy can't get me 10 sacks and I have no use for him. I mean, you just, you're going to have to do it with a little bit more of a committee approach, but um, you know, today was the first day that we got a chance to have a conference call with Randy Gregory, and he was really good about a lot of stuff. I mean, this is again, if this is your first time talking to him, then you know, this is the first time he's talking about a lot of stuff about having to sit out for a while, you know, how supportive the Jones family has been of him. And just he certainly, just to sum everything up, sounded like a guy that definitely wants to be here, likes being here, likes the, likes the situation he's in, and he's very affordable. So uh, it makes sense to have him around. And hey, if you can find a contract that works with Eldon Smith, hey, by all means, bring him back. I mean, I, I think he's exceeded everybody's expectations um, uh, unless you set him way too high after the Seattle game. But I'm saying from the expectations from when the day they signed him, I think he's wildly exceeded those. But yeah, if he wants to come back and, it, and it's a team friendly deal, by all means, you'll take Alden Smith back. But if there's going to, you're not going to get a bidding war. Uh, yeah, I agree 100%. And it's where. They're going to have to make some quick and shrewd moves. And even in Bob's article, he actually mentioned bringing the idea of maybe you bring Gerald McCoy back just to see. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot. Gerald McCoy might look at what happened here this year and be like, hell no. 
Uh, maybe Tampa Bay needs me. They're closer. Uh, but like, I, there's there's some things on defense up front that they are going to have to address. Well, it seems like we've spent so much time talking about secondary. We're talking about they've got to attack cornerback and safety, and they do. But there are some things up front they're going to have to uh, address as well. Well, the uh, whoever the court defensive coordinator is will have an impact on that too, because if let's say you bring in somebody that these guys would want to play for. And when I say these guys, I'm talking about using your example of Gerald McCoy, a guy who knows his best years are behind him. He's just trying to to win and and play a role at this point. If you bring in a defensive coordinator that that he really likes or he's heard a lot of good things about, that that changes things. You know, they're not going to, a player isn't going to just judge him on what they did this past season. He's going to judge him on, well, oh, this this coordinator is here now. I really like what he does. And then I already know this guy and this guy are on the defense. Like, they're not going to look at it the same way as like, Oh, I'm just going to join that mess that I saw. I watched them a little bit in 2020. They were terrible. Like, if you have a new defensive coordinator, everything can change by that. If, if it's somebody that guys are really, you know, want to play for, like an established guy that has a good reputation in the league. Yeah, and I also think that some of the some of these things also depend on you know what your contingency plan is. Like, what do you do in the? Unfortunately, the draft comes later, but even free agency. You know, Jadavion Clowney was out there for a long time. Um, this past offseason he's going to be a free agent again I don't know if there's any interest or whatever there but when you look along you know the defensive front and things like that you have to weigh you know what kind of options there are and, and it's similar to the Robert Quinn situation I think and that's that's what it comes down to I mean you look at some of the guys though that were out there till like very late you look at like Cam Newton you look at Everson Griffin you look at Jay Devy and Clowney like kind of understand why they were out there like no one's really blown you away where you're like, I can't believe that guy was oh, out yeah. there that long. Like they've all pretty been pretty much been like, oh, it appears that these talent evaluators in the NFL know what they're doing. Well, and, and fit matters so much, you know, I mean, it, it totally matters. I, I think Seattle would have loved to have had Clowney back for cheap, but they're like, dude, you've got a core injury and we we know what your, your medicals are. Like, you know, like we have all that. I, we kind of project that Clowney's going to get hurt. Um, so and I think that's fascinating. Now moving on to the 49ers. The 49ers are five and eight. They are playing their home games at Arizona now, which is still kind of weird. Um, here's the thing about this game. I think I think the 49ers are just a horrible matchup for the Cowboys because of how well they run the ball. And they run the ball not only through their offensive line being physical, but also through their design of their offensive line, the way they use play action. I mean, we know Kyle Shanahan's a good play caller, but there's a couple of things that are working in the Cowboys' favor this week. One, that offensive line is banged up. So this is not the 49ers' offensive line that went to the Super Bowl last year. Two, the Cowboys have the quarterback advantage in this game. Uh, I would say Andy Dalton's a better than Nick Mullins, and if you've watched uh, any Nick Mullins over the last couple of years, you've seen a guy who just consistently puts his wide receivers in danger. I have no idea how Kendall Bourne's head has not been knocked off all the way yet because he will run over the middle between three defenders and Mullins will throw it behind him and Bourne will adjust his body to try to make a catch and then a safety will hit him in the neck. Like it's really dangerous that Nick Mullins is allowed to play in the NFL, but it's happening and that's what we have this week. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys won this game. I will save my pick for the end here, but I know all the team tank crowd and I know everyone's like, oh man, we didn't lose much draft position last week by beating the Bengals, but man, we got to lose out. This thing is more out in the open than I think people are talking about. And I, I, if you're looking from far away, I think you go, well, the 49ers are going to run all over the Cowboys. That could very well still happen with uh, with their large core of running backs and 
Jeffrey Wilson and then Mostert and then whoever else that Tevin Coleman sometimes likes to play. Sometimes they'll give it to Juicek. Yeah, they'll give it to Juice Check. Yeah, the Juice Check. Give me a Juice Check. Um, so I, I I just think that though any game that the Cowboys have a quarterback advantage, I still kind of think there's going to be a chance. Uh, I'd like to get y'all's kind of gut feelings on where this thing stands as uh, we're three or four days away. Well, it's really fascinating just because of these two teams are right there at the top in terms of just how injuries have decimated what they were should have been this year. Now, I don't know if the Cowboys should have been as good as what the 49ers would have been if everybody was healthy. Obviously, they just went to the Super Bowl. Um, But um, I just, I don't don't know. I just think the 49ers are still a better team even worth where they are right now. Like I just, um, I just haven't seen the Cowboys put together two good games back to back for me to think that they're going to like build off this Cincinnati game and then you know, go out there and put put together this great effort against the 49ers. I mean, it could happen. And maybe this is, you know, a strong finish to the season that they have and they end up winning a couple more games or something. But until they do that and they show me that they're going to be able to do that, there's like, I, there's no reason for me to give them the benefit of the doubt. I need, I want to see something first, you know, and it does help that they're, you know, playing against the Nick Mullins, I guess. And they don't have uh, most of their explosive you know, starters on offense. So I, um, I don't know. I, I think if you're in the tank crowd, I think you're, you're, you're in a pretty good situation. Uh, I saw the line was only three, uh, 49ers are favored by three, but, uh, and I think that's, that's pretty much probably accurate. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know about you guys. It just, it's tough for me to really, um, look at these games and really want to break down the X's and O's. I just, sorry, guys. Oh, no, just, no, doubt, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Also, like you know, KT, you talked about. Now, look again. Nick Mullins is is not uh, is not anything to be scared of. But here's the thing about the Cowboys: they they're coming off a win against the Bengals, right? They're dating back, looking at the entire NFL, dating back to last year. Do you know how many teams? Do you know what the streak is for longest longest gone without winning two games in a row? Oh my God! Um, Probably this year with the Cowboys. <laughs> I don't know. How long is the streak? No, no. In total, the Cowboys last time they won two games in a row was last year, week two and three, when they started three and zero. Yeah. Only the Bengals have gone longer without winning two games in a row. Yeah. Um. Everybody else, everybody else, the Jets, the Chargers, everyone since week three last year has won two games in a row, except for the Dallas Cowboys and the Cincinnati Bengals, who last won two games in a row in 2018. So. Other than the Bengals, the Cowboys are pretty much it in terms of the teams that haven't won two games in a row. It's that bad. So, anyways, that's just you know just just to say, <laughs> stringing two wins together is a really tall task in this town right now. I just I, I look the only thing that it just tells me again from uh, from far away I, I would tell you I think this is a terrible matchup the 49ers win, but I'm just. The idea that San Francisco is on their fifth center and fourth right guard is just unreal to me. I mean, you don't ever see this. Like, it's it's shocking. So, I get this vibe that we're going to get a little pressure up front. We're going to get a little action from Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith. And, uh, you know, I just – I don't – I'm not – all, I'm saving it. I'm saving it till we do picks. I'm saving it till we do – unless y'all want to do picks now. Y'all want to do picks now? That's fine. Go. Picks now? Let's do picks now. We got, yeah, we got a lot more show, but yeah, we'll hit picks. Yeah. All right. Let's do the picks. Let's do the picks. I'm going to wait. I'm going to let you guys go. 
right. No, I'll uh, do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Fine. I know. I'll do it. Cowboys win. <laughs> Score? The McCarthy train is alive and well, folks. Cowboys 24. No, no, no. Four score though. Cowboys 24, 49ers 23. Oh. You're such a McCarthy homer. Um yeah. I'm go uh, 49ers 24, Cowboys 20. Uh But yeah, I mean I could see it going either way. I mean it's going to be a it should be a good game. There should be no neither team should be blowing the other one out or that's really going to be a bad sign for them going forward. Um, 24, 20 just sounds right to me. So yeah, it's going to be weird to see fourth string defensive tackles go up against fifth string centers. You don't see that a lot. And that's how your game gets moved to noon. Um, and out of the national TV spot. All right. This is, this is, you know, a lot in a lot of ways, this is how I felt last week watching the Cowboys and Bengals too, is it's kind of a glorified preseason game. But anyways, like, I mean, that that's essentially what we're watching right now is glorified preseason football. Um, but I think, you know, I'll go, I'll go 49ers 28-24. It's really, it's really cowboy. It, it is so vintage cowboys for people to start believing and start thinking things are changing because they beat the Bengals. I mean, this is what's been happening for the last 25 years. It's just you, you, you get a little bit of, you get teased a little bit and you start believing as soon as that happens. Oh, McCarthy went 4-0 at the end of 2006. You just find all these different reasons to believe, and they just always let you down, and there's no reason to believe. I Look, more than anything, KT, I agree with what you said. This is a terrible matchup for the Cowboys. 49ers run the ball all the time. Hometown guy, Jeffrey Wilson, go mean green. He might yes, end sir. up he might end up with two or three touchdowns. I it would not surprise me. So I'm gonna go 49ers 28-24. Kent, I just want to say, like Kent's going to get the records are pretty good here. Kent still leads by one game on the picks. Um, uh, I want to be clear. I don't believe in the Cowboys at all. Just kind of strange feeling. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. Kevin doesn't believe in the Cowboys <laughs> at all. Well, there's a part of me that wants the, Well, there's a part of me that wants the team tank crowd to freak out when the Cowboys are picking 11. There's just a small part of me that wants the team tankers to go, oh, God, now we're picking 11, and realize that there's really not a difference in this year's draft. I was was talking to Dane Brugler um, during, uh, you know, we were doing our Prospects the Pros podcast for The Athletic. Um, we were talking beforehand. I'm like, man, the the Cowboys are, they're going to win the two out of these last three, and they're going to end up with like number 10. You know, New York's going to jump them. Detroit's going to jump them. San Francisco, probably. Um, and that's just going to be what it is. And <laughs> we're going to be in the same place we've been with, with uh, you know, not not getting an, a huge impact player and getting a guy that's more of a risk or maybe the second quarterback instead of the first. You know, it's, it might, might end up being like that. But um, in terms of this game, uh, you know, you say it's not, a, not great matchups. What it is a great matchup for is uniforms. Great uniform matchup, Cowboys 49ers. It's going to be beautiful to watch this on TV, if nothing else. Um, Love that. But, yeah, man, this is the NFL. And I I think quarterbacks probably matter more than anything, more than the head coach. I'll give the the 49ers the the head coach. But um, I don't know. I think Andy Dalton gets it done, guys. Let's go. I'm going to go Cowboys 27-24. Even though I, if I just jumped with you guys and we all lose, I probably, you know, the, the scores stay the same with the 
with the fantasy, whatever picks were fantasy we're doing. But I just got a gut feeling, man. I don't know. It's probably going to be wrong. But yeah, that's what the gut says. One prediction that we'll make is I think the broadcast team every, and, and the, the entire network and everything is really going to lean into the 90s rivalry here because there's nothing to talk about with this game. I, I bet you we see Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Michael Irvin, all that stuff popping up on our screen multiple times throughout this game. I think maybe they should just get into like really in-depth breaking down the paintings I don't know if I don't know if you've ever seen that. They, sometimes I'll talk about the art that's at the stadium. They need to just really get involved in, in just breaking down some of the paintings and and, and things like that. Isn't and I that think, a mandate? Uh, it'll carry the broadcast. Isn't it has like been a, for a while. But mandate, hey, speaking like, of, if you do a game at the stadium, you have to mention the the art like that. Has, it, that's like an official requirement or something. I, I, I believe it has. To, I believe it, it. It's probably in the contract. But yeah. uh, another thing that I thought was in the contract that I did not see in Cincinnati at all. Not one, not one TV shot of Jerry Jones at that game anywhere. I not told you, there's something going on, man. Game. There's something so he made it some call. It's like, hey, I did not want the camera on me this year for some re- re- reason. It's been well, also, very he light. still gets on though. Oh, very put him light. On for, but of on all for years a- that we needed a Jerry cam, and the Jerry cam would have been most interesting, and we we probably need it more than anything to stay entertained. This is the year. Why are we not but, seeing more Jerry this year than any other year? It doesn't make maybe sense. Maybe she needed her afternoon nap. They'll at least show him, and, and and just about every game they've shown him at least. Maybe at he's least, not wearing a mask for a second. A lot of the time, and they don't want to no, show him. No, Jerry's because... wearing masks. Oh, trust me, oh, Jerry's I know. wearing masks, and he's wearing two of them. Maybe. He's very he's <laughs> very aware of COVID. Believe me. I know, but he's maybe, made that very maybe clear. They don't want to throw him under the bus by showing him uh, breaking. I'm just saying they protocol. they've at least shown him in games. They did not show him at all in Cincinnati. That made me actually That's think. True. I was like, was Jerry actually at that game? This is interesting. This how is could he miss? How could he miss Andy Dalton's return to Cincinnati? You just did don't we, miss did things we like check that. Check where the uh, Bravo Eugenia was at the time. It's been in Cabo. There's no. There's no oceans in. Uh, it's been. <laughs> it's been. It's. It's been in Cabo San Lucas. There. So like last week, I think we had, we had a Kugler last week, right? Uh, was it two weeks ago? Did we have the Chris Spillman game? We had him recently as well. Yep. Um, and Spillman's going to take a job with the Lions, it looks like. But this one's yep. an interesting game. San Francisco and Dallas is going to be on CBS this week, which is a little odd to me. But you get one of the greatest play-by-play announcers of all time, in my opinion, Kevin Harlan, this week. Nice. I'm pretty pumped up. I love Kevin Harlan. So, like, that's good, even though it's a bad matchup and we're going to have bad announcers the rest of the way. We got a good one this week. I think Kevin Harlan and Trent Green do a fine job. Um, sure. Just want to get that out there. There we sure. go. Um, Kent, yes. after your pick of the Cowboys to go along there with me, let's uh, go. Let's go ahead and keep the momentum with you. Why don't you throw out this week's Kent's hypothetical? Kent's crazy hypothetical. Well, you guys were actually talking about it at the at the outset. It's been a hot topic in Cowboys Nation this week on Twitter, you know, on the radio, other places. So, let's say hypothetically, Mike McCarthy is let go at the end of this season. Who are you guys targeting? For head coach for this team, I like. I who do we like want? Who, who's Jerry going after? Who? Who? All right, we're not we're not messing this thing up this time. All right, who? Who's the guy? What I do would would not be seen as it would not be seen as a good move. I think by most people, I think most people would roll their eyes a little bit. What I would do is I would go hire Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator of the Panthers, the former OC of the LSU Tigers, Joe Brady who studied under the tutelage of Sean Payton for all these years. Well, first thing I do, I would probably just, I don't necessarily love him, but I love the connection. So my realistic thing is I would call Sean Payton. 
realistically. Now, they may have a contract to get through and all that, but Joe Brady, I would pair Joe Brady up with some type of defensive coordinator. There are the rumors last year that Wink Martindale of the Ravens would be a guy that might make sense. I'd pair him up with a defensive coordinator, and that defensive coordinator would have full say of the defense. So it's almost like I'm hiring two head coaches, but only one's got to talk to the media, and one has full control of the offensive play calling, Joe Brady. That would be my move. Uh, probably not the most popular thing to do, but I do think that's kind of the cutting edge move that the Cowboys need to make, quite frankly. Yeah, and honestly, you know, I'm I'm glad you went there, KT, because mine's kind of the same thing. Uh, you you guys might frown and and make faces at me, but um, it's out of the box. Um, but it's it's the same thing that you're saying, but it's it's the it's it's the different side of the ball for me. It's um, I would say. For me, KT, it's actually it's actually the opposite thing for me. I would go get I, I would consider Aaron Glenn um, from the Saints, and then hire an offensive or have an offensive system there that is kind of kind of like what the Brooklyn Nets have done. You know where you know Steve Nash is the head coach, but Mike D'Antoni is doing everything um, offensively. The offense is so good; it's so set right now with ha- with ever with talent. With the quarterback, with the with everything, with everything's coming back. I don't need. I don't know that. I know that this is an offensive minded team. I don't know that you need an offensive head coach to validate that. So I might go with Aaron Glenn, and then and then you know build a defensive staff with Aaron Glenn uh, leading the way, and then let the offense do what they're doing because the offense hasn't been broken even in the last two years as they've been uh, searching. Yeah, you can keep Kellen in that in that same role he's in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you got to go with uh, Dabo Sweeney, and this is why. Wow. I could not be joking anymore. Oh. I would think that would be the worst possible thing you <laughs> could like, do. what? John? Absolutely not. Uh, no, I was just because you guys were saying these off-the-wall things, so I wanted to come up with an off-the-wall one as well. Uh, here, th- this one some people might think is off-the-wall too, but just all those rumors the last couple of weeks, even though he shot him down, I'm still all in on the Bill Cowher thing. I don't care if he hasn't coached for 20 wow. years. Like, if you could get Bill Cowher, I would bring him in in a second. I really do think that he would still coach winning football. Uh, you you would be at least solid on defense that um, I think I, I would at least kick the tires on that. I'm more interested in that than I am than I am uh, a college coach. And in that scenario, I think you still could keep Kellen Moore, too. Um, but no, the one that I really like the most is really keeping Mike McCarthy but hiring Marvin Lewis, if he doesn't get any any of these head coaching jobs, hiring Marvin Lewis to be your defensive coordinator, because if he doesn't get any of these head coaching jobs that he's shows that he's interested in, uh, at least that's the reports that have come out, then what's the next best thing? Going somewhere that has some talent that you think you can fix that defense. And and if you would, if he came in there and fixed the Cowboys defense in one offseason, and all of a sudden they went from being historically bad to at least middle of the pack or upper tier, which they should be able to do, he would he would be right in that mix again for head coaching candidates the the following year and so obviously the Cowboys interviewed him for the head coaching job before they well it might have been yeah actually it was yeah, right before they interviewed Mike McCarthy um, so hey he might have head coaching interest but that is the combination that I think could be somewhat realistic that would interest me probably the most out of those types of things and please I was not being serious about Dabo Sweeney wow yeah man some some someone that. Uh whose name has been kind of out there this season and Cowboys fans should be familiar with that I would take a look at is Matt Eberflus. And, you know, you look at at where this team needs help. Certainly the defensive side of the ball would help. Um, And I'm under the impression that as long as Dak's your quarterback and you've got these skilled players on offense, 
you'll be fine. You know, I think Kellen Moore can probably keep that thing together. I would, I would bring in a more defensive minded head coach. You look at what, what Eberflus has done in the draft in Indianapolis and, you know, they have played well and it, and it helps to have the bodies, but you know, who's brought in those guys, <laughs> you know, who drafted Darius Leonard, you know, um, that's, uh, that was Matt Eberflus's, uh, influence there. You know, Justin Houston obviously played well, what they've done this year with Julian Blackman, the the rookie safety. So yeah, I would, I would look at somebody like that. Um, yeah, Sean Payton's the obvious one. If they could get right. Sean Payton, I think they would trade picks for Sean Payton. I really do. Yeah. If, if that was uh, on the table, um, I don't think it would be. But yeah, if you're looking to start with a an ex- NFL experienced head coach with familiarity with the Jones family and and all that, I would I would look at Matt Eberflus. I wonder if he would take a DC job because obviously in the real world here, McCarthy's I don't think your so. head coach. I don't would think he so. come? But here. I don't think so. be paid more. Eberflus. Matt Eberflus? Yeah. Matt Eberflus ain't coming back here unless he's that coach. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. And, and also, but I will say, I think, you know, it's also, I don't think that you need to pair. We, we see this around the NFL. So it gets this, you know, it, it, it catches fire that like, you know, uh, when you have a franchise quarterback or whatever, you got to, you got to pair him with the offensive minded head coach. I just, because, you know, we see it with Mahomes and Andy Reid or Sean Payton and Drew Brees and, and you get kind of caught up in that. I just don't think that that's... Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> right. Sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I just don't think you need to do that. I mean, look, the the primary example of coach quarterback is Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, right? So um, when you look at when you look at the way that's gone, I just don't think that you need to do that. I think I think it almost behooves you when you're as bad as you are defensively as the Cowboys were to go the other way and get a defensive minded head coach. Even though, again, we're dealing in a completely hypothetical situation here. Mike McCarthy's going to be back, but I'm just saying, you know, I I think that logic is is flawed. That just because you have an offensive team, you need to have an offensive-minded head coach. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Kent, you have uh, gathered up some listener questions. Yes. I gathered up some as well in case, uh, but I think we should be fine. Yes. Um, go ahead and lead us off because we kind of open it up and let you guys get your questions into our to our very nice listeners of About yeah. Them Cowboys. Well, just a little follow-up on a conversation we were having earlier as well. We were talking about filling in that Alden Smith role, what kind of free agents are out there, and you know, just looking at the uh, list here. Uh, seems to be a lot of a lot of options for the Cowboys under the current ten million dollar range for um, for free agents. You know, obviously Everson Griffin they're familiar with, uh, Danico Autry, Romeo Okwara uh, has seven sacks this year. Obviously they know Benson Mayoa, 
Um, Kerry Hyder has eight sacks this year. Demarcus Walker in Denver has five sacks. Um, who is this guy in um, Trey Hendrickson in New Orleans? Oh, 11, yeah. Decent, 11 sacks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's going to be guys on the street this year that I feel like, you know, here that that they can probably fill some gaps for some pretty cheap. Uh, the, the, the list is pretty, pretty, um, pretty deep. Effie Obata. You remember him, guys? Sure do. Do I? Four, four sacks this year in Carolina. So, and he's making under a million dollars. So I feel like there's some guys, they're going to go that route. I really do feel like that way that, um, Alden Smith's going to be priced out and they'll, they'll find somebody to, to fill that void. So yeah, thank you to people who sent in questions. Um, remember, remember to tag me on these if you, if you send them and I'll mark them and we'll, we'll get to them as we open up the about them Cowboys mailbag. This first question guys comes from Tyler Horner on Twitter. He asks if we most, if we mostly play nickel defense, does it matter if the next D coordinator is a four, three guy or three or three, four guy? So, and if so, which do you prefer given the Marcus Lawrence, Leighton Van Der Esch, and Jalen contracts? The 4-3 or the 3-4? I prefer the 4-3 just because I think it's a better fit for DeMarcus Lawrence, and he's your best player, and he's not going anywhere. So that will always be my answer there. I don't think it really makes a huge difference in terms of the, like you said, being in nickel and dime so often. Um, but I just don't like the idea of when I see DeMarcus Lawrence standing up. Like I just don't think that that's his best uh, situation to be put in. I think he's best with his hand on the ground. So as more chances for him to do that, the better. And, uh, I just think that more of your personnel probably fits a little bit more to a four, three, but I really just think that they need to be something. I, I, this whole, like just being multiple and being a little bit of everything. I don't, I don't think that helped. I I really don't. I think that that might've worked if you had a defensive coaching staff that had been here for several years and they, you know, gradually worked towards that. And I do believe that that was Mike Nolan's plan. Uh, but in this pandemic shortened off season where everything in the early part of the off season was being taught through zoom meetings and that, I just, that was not a good move. So, um, but if I had to pick, I would, I would go four, three. Yeah, I would go four, three as well. Just to piggyback on what, what John said, I, I think it really does come back, come down to DeMarcus Lawrence, but also your linebackers. I mean, your linebacker depth isn't, isn't what, well, I mean, you don't have any, um, you're, you don't even have starting linebackers. So, I mean, you know, at, at that point, why would you want to throw more out there and have have more of a rotation there? I'd rather have more of a rotation with your with your defensive line. I think it's a stronger position group. They have more options there, so I would go with the four three as well. On the post game podcast on Sunday after the Cowboys went over the Bengals, John said something that made my head explode. Even though I think it was something that I think we all knew, but when you like reiterated, Demarcus Lawrence is the highest paid player in franchise history. <laughs> oh God! Wow, that's yeah, that, that would upset I started you. choking. It's upset you, yeah. I was like, whoa. Oh, <laughs> Just realized that. On. Oh, God. Um, no, but it's like, it's like, here's this thing I knew, and I guess maybe I'd jump to conclusions, assuming they would be proactive and get a DAC deal done. Mm. Um, but he's right. You build your defense around your best player, and that's 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 the move to make. Unless you, – if you, if you do change, though, go all in. And to answer your question, being in nickel doesn't really matter that much. You're just, you're just manipulating your scheme. But go all in on something – this is my, in general, my biggest issue with the Cowboys franchise over the past 25 years is have a core philosophy. What are your, what are your beliefs? Mm-hmm. It's, it's dabbling in magic over here. It's uh you know, well, wait, I'm more of a poker guy. Well, sometimes I like to play blackjack, you know, have a core philosophy, you know, like just make, a, like a, this is what we do. 
because Baltimore does that. And the Pittsburghs of the world do that. And I, I'm not going to say New England. Everyone rolls their eyes. And New England's also going to miss the playoffs this year. But like the teams that are in the playoffs every year have core philosophies, things they stick to over the years throughout their organization. This one does not. This one sees new shiny toys and they chase it. So that's kind of where I'm at on Is that. it new shiny toys, though? Yeah, old shiny toys old sometimes. Old shiny toys, yeah. No, 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 no. There's no sometimes. Old shiny toys. Yeah, Boy, Rod, hey, can you tell me more about what Rod Marinelli did with Tampa Bay? Can you tell Mon- me more about what Mike McCarthy hey, did in Green Bay? Can I tell you Please. what Monty Kiffin did? Please, I need to hear Monty more. Kiffin, yeah. Tell Please, Monty tell Kiffin. me more. Monty Kiffin falling asleep in the play, in the call booth. <laughs> like, as he's like up there calling hey. the defense, like, asleep. <laughs> hey, but this Chris Richard guy who got fired will fix everything. You know, remember the doomsday, not doomsday. Remember the uh, doomsday. Yeah, we all remember the doomsday defense from the 70s. Yes. Or remember the uh, <laughs> I remember like it was the Legion of Boom. <laughs> <laughs> remember Legion of Boom guys from four years ago? Maybe we can. Oh, uh, Legion of Boom yeah. transformed right into Hot yeah, Boys. Exactly. They exactly. Both make me think of the doomsday defense all the time. We haven't seen Hot Boys bro. at all this year, have we? Why, why do you think that is? Because because they're the cold boys, lukewarm boys. Uh, yeah, no, you talk about the 4-3 and 3-4. I think a lot of it has to do with the inability for them to find a true nose, you know, and and not have a, any one player that can really fill the gap for them. <laughs> and, you know, John Tari Poe flaming out, Gerald McCoy not being here, I think really has a lot to do with it. And Tristan Hill getting hurt. Um, so, that you know, that hurts them. You've got to really have that stopgap kind of player in the middle, and they haven't had that. So, yeah, play to your strengths. Play to your strengths, and hopefully they'll make that change. Um, and this and this isn't a draft that really has one of those players, you know? No. Like, this isn't a draft that but has those, one of those guys that you're like, oh, well, we're picking we're picking like up here. We have a chance to get Chase Young. This could dictate the way that this defense goes. Yeah. Or something. There's nobody in here in this draft that is changing the way you're playing defense. But invest in it at some point. I mean, week after week watching the Red Zone channel – I see a guy who was drafted on day three who's 335 pounds who I was going, why didn't they take this guy? Yeah, yep. They could have taken this guy on day three. He's still there because he's a one-down type of guy. He's not these guys you're not trying to build your defense around, but they do make key plays in the game. And they just they they gloss over it. They gloss over it the same way they gloss over safety. And here we are in 2020 going, damn it, just not going to be good enough again, huh? All right, well, let's re-rack. Try it again. Yeah, it feels like they go more for the the flashy statistics, sacks, quarterback pressures, rather than like, oh man, this guy had more tackles than anyone on his team. You know, those types of things that we just need players that 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 um that can be counted on more than anything. Uh, speaking of the defense, this question comes from at Hackers Champ Tim Thompson on Twitter. Um, oh, actually, I, I skipped over one. Um, T Rogers too on Twitter. Is there a better defensive coordinator candidate out there? If so, who is it? Who's that new new D coordinator? Besides, I guess we mentioned Marvin Lewis, but um, maybe guys that are currently employed who? who well, a lot of people, now he's not currently employed right now, but a lot of people have been mentioning Dan Quinn, fired by the Falcons. Obviously, he had success as a defensive coordinator before that. That's how he got the head coaching job. Um, I know that that's a really popular name to be thrown out there right now in, in Dallas, but... Uh, like I said, for me, Marvin Lewis. Yeah, I think I think for me that you know I, I think I mentioned this on the podcast uh, a, a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how wh- what direction the Falcons go in because if the Falcons don't bring back Raheem Morris and he's out looking for a job, 
I'll take Raheem Morris as a defensive coordinator and let and let and see what he has because I think he's a, I think he's a, he can he's he's a good coach in general, but I think he's a good defensive mind as well. Hey, Lovey Smith just got fired at Illinois. I saw um, that. I I I don't I don't know. I'm throwing this out there for fun. I don't know how I feel about it 100% because I haven't heard much from him since he's been let go. And it felt like he was let go for a reason. Wade Phillips has always been interesting to me though. Yeah. Again, in that surprise, Jerry didn't do that last year when he was on the street and they didn't have a defensive coordinator. In that role, that could be fun. Uh, Uh, I know people want, I I do like what Todd mentioned with Aaron Glenn. That's a, that's a good name. Um, it's like people aren't talking about, you know, the hope was that you would feel so good about Al Harris that you would be, uh, you know, and I just don't think you're, you're getting that. You don't think you're feeling that. So, um, it looks like you're not feeling that way about Scott McCurley. You know, you're not like, that's the hope is this could be an interior thing, you know? Um, but don't, don't think that's the road they're going to be going down. It looks like he's going the college route, but would, um, would you take a shot on Dan Quinn? Was your D coordinator? Hell yeah! I'll bring old Danny Q in here. Let's fire it up. Yeah, I, th- I think Dan. I think Dan Quinn's a fine coach. I, I, I think he was did I, Hey, did guy. I say Dan Quinn or did I say Bob Quinn? <laughs> okay, Bob Quinn. Is that the Lions guy? <laughs> just making Quinn, sure. Just making sure I said Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, I think, was a bad head coach. Was a little over overwhelmed by that role as a head coach. But when you're asking these guys to be strictly DCs. And they, they're 100% focused, just goes into that. I think you bring out the best of them. And I'm I'm all aboard the Dan Quinn train. Yeah, let's and do these it. These guys get head coaching jobs because of how good they were as DCs. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that seems like his maybe his path back to the NFL is go somewhere, turn around a defense, and maybe he'll be a head coach again another day. You know. Well, if that's the case, it certainly sounds like you guys just described Matt Patricia. I, I think Jerry okay. would take a look at Matt Patricia. I don't th- I don't think Matt Patricia would come here. I think Matt Patricia will go somewhere else, but you know you know what I would say no only because of the things you were hearing in Detroit about <laughs> players hating him. Yeah, from day one. That, yeah, not, that, that's uh, not great. Well he's yeah. not the head coach here though. Yeah. Yeah, but there's still, still defensive players have to like you. Yeah. That's a, see, this is the thing. They liked too, him in that, New England, didn't they? Here's the thing, and this will be attractive to a defensive coordinator too is that Mike McCarthy is not going to be all in your stuff. He's going to let you do your thing. He's going to let yeah. you coach your defense, and that has to be attractive to any of these coaches, if it is anybody we named or somebody else, that like it's like that side of the ball is yours, you know? And so uh, I do think that, that that would be – but because of that also, I think that the players have to kind of want to play for you and, and, and be bought in there, and I don't know that was necessarily the case with Matt Patricia in his previous stop, so – let me give you two names to keep an eye on just because they have ties to Mike McCarthy. All right. And they may say, no, we've had, we've let you have your hire before. If Mike Pettin gets run in green Bay and everyone in green Bay thinks Mike Pet- Pettin is going to get fired. Um, then I would keep an eye on Mike Pettin, the former Browns head coach and the current Packers defensive coordinator. Uh, Mike McCarthy hired him. He's, uh, was one of the few to stay when Matt LaFleur came in and Matt LaFleur kept him as defensive coordinator. Uh, I don't think it's great. Trust me. I think you're kind of getting the same thing you got with Mike Nolan, but um, that's a name that you should keep an eye on because they do have ties. Do you think Steven and Jerry let Mike McCarthy pick another one of his boys or no, I mean, that's kind of what happened this time. 
are they going to do it? You know, like, I mean, it could be like a Kellen Moore thing where they were like, hey, what about this guy? Huh? What do you think yeah. about him, Mike? Yeah. I would money whip the crap out of Matt Eberflus if his contract's up. Hey, you're going to be the highest paid defensive coordinator in football when you come back home. I don't know, man. I think he'll get a glimpse at a head coaching job this year. I really do. And I just don't think he left on on the terms to where he'll come back for anything less than a head coach. Yeah. He left because he didn't want to be the defensive coordinator and have Rod Marinelli still around, right? That that was it. Like, <laughs> it's either one, him or me, you know, kind of a thing. Um, that was a good question. Yeah. That was a good question. Um couple draft-related questions here. This one comes from Steven on uh, Genon Cage on Twitter. Uh, with this pick in the draft that the Cowboys have, there is no quote-unquote stud defensive player. So, is there a player on another team worth trading this top pick for? And if so, who would that be? Cowboys trade um, a top five or a top ten for one guy? Who, who could we get that uh, would immediately come in here and... Be a be a bigger impact than that player, I guess. So I'll say this just off the top, like because I I don't know this off the top of my head, but I will say it's not just about what player you're able to get. Remember, you have to absorb the salary, you have to take the contract. That was part of the conversation with Jamal Adams, right? It wasn't just like what you have to give to to get him, but then what you have to also give him to stay here. So I think I think that's why. While yes, there's not a top tier defensive. Play, there's not like a crazy great defensive talent here in this draft. You're still whoever you pick is going to be on a rookie salary for five years. Um, that's not the case. We, we saw this with Amari Cooper. You traded only a first round pick to get him. Great. He's he's better than anything that went any wide receiver that went in the first round. But you only got him for a cheap salary for one year before you had to dole out 100 mil. So I think that's the conversation you have to, to remember. Yeah, the idea of, of pairing... Trayvon Diggs with either Patrick Sertan or, or Caleb Farley for the next, you know, four or five years. That interests me more than, I mean, I guess here, here I'll, I'll throw out the hypothetical for them uh, that makes this a little bit easier for, we can do apples to apples to this. Let's say if it was Jamal Adams still in New York and the new head coach, whoever's going to be the next head coach of the Jets is like, this guy doesn't want to be here. We're rebuilding. Give us your first. We'll give you guys Jamal Adams. Then, like that. Now, that would interest me. You know, obviously they wanted more than that for Jamal Adams. But I'm just saying, if if that was the type of player that was there, and, and with Sod's point of obviously you're gonna have to pay him, but he also feel f- fills a major need uh, on the back end of your defense. Then, yeah, maybe I could be in- intrigued in that. But like for what you normally will get for where they're gonna be picking the first round, there's just not a lot of names that jump out to me that I think are like realistic that would really move the needle for me. I agree hundred percent. With the contract, sorry, with their yeah. contract. Yeah, I wish I had, like I could just spit out names, like, I, but I just, you guys covered it right there. The, it's what tough. you have to take yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, you look changes at- Changes everything. You look at 2022 unrestricted free agents, you know, and defensively, if a team was trying to move on from somebody that they knew they couldn't resign, they they might try to seek a one for- for one of those guys. I mean, look at the top of that list. I don't see any of these guys coming to Dallas. Uh, and they're pretty old, some pretty old guys. Um, you know, Von Miller is not coming here. JJ Watts not coming here. <laughs> Chandler yeah. Jones, uh, Kawan Short, Tyron Matthew, Carlos Dunlap, Brandon Graham. Well, what does Quentin Williams do for you? Uh, 
I think I, I'd rather I like, have that top 10 pick, but. I like Quinn and Williams. I think, I think he's a great player. I'm not giving up a one for it. Yeah. You want to start talking about two, then you're, I'm going to need to know, are we talking, is that two pick 36 in the draft? Is that two pick 42, 43? Like, what are we talking about on what that pick is? And that's where these next three weeks come into play. So um, I have a hankering that the Cowboys are going to win one of these last three games and end up in the five win mode and picking somewhere between seventh and, and 12th. It's kind of yeah my gut feeling. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. It's sad that there's no stud defensive player, but Sally didn't look like there's any stud defensive free agent or upcoming free agent that's a an obvious choice for the Cowboys. So, yeah, man, it's going to be going to be interesting to see if they, they stick in there. Um, speaking of that, this question comes from Paul underscore Ryan 15 on Twitter. He asks, is Miami a realistic trade down partner at pick number eight with the Cowboys? And my answer to that would be probably not. Because they um, they have their quarterback of the future, I would look at um, if the Cowboys finish between five and eight, uh, one of those teams that needs a, a quarterback of the future being a, a trade partner, a Detroit, um, maybe a, a New York Giants, maybe a Philadelphia. I don't know. Um, that's just what my gut says because the top three, four, five quarterbacks in this draft could be franchise guys. So that'll probably be the the highest value there, and you know, but. It could you could end up like Detroit last year. You have a top three pick and nobody calls, and you got to pick Jeffrey Okuda, who can't stay healthy, and that's where they end up. So, yeah, that's my gut. Is Miami's probably not the best trade partner, but I think the Cowboys will certainly be willing to trade down. KT, what do you think? Well, yeah, no, and I think what I would say though is that if there was a team, it's going to be a team that has multiple picks, right? It has yep. a little more to play with. Who might be like, you know, what? that we'll is true. Get rid of some of these yep. picks. I mean, I look at Jacksonville, what Jacksonville has, and we'll see what they do with the number two pick or number one pick. Um, but I look at them, and I'm just kind of amazed. They have the second pick, the 26th pick, the 34th pick, the 48th pick. So if they wanted to make a little action, you know, they could do that. They have, I'm counting, that's 12 picks in this draft. Um, the Jets have one twenty-five and 33. So maybe if they wanted to combo 25 and 33, Maybe they could do something. Miami's a good team to mention, though. They've got seven picks, uh, eight, 21, and 39, that eighth pick being the from Houston. But, you know, there are a lot of teams who have picks they might be wanting to get rid of. You know, the Cowboys have six picks in this draft, um, and right now it's set to be five, 36, and 72. You know, a lot of the teams around them have seven, eight picks, might have a little, little room to operate. So yep. that's something you're looking at. But the what quarterbacks, again. What about New on, England? I New think England will always picks. trade with you, yeah. They right. have uh, they have seven picks, 16, 47, and then everything else is in the 100s. Uh, Cleveland, Cleveland's got four top 100 picks. Yeah, I think when you look at trading up, I think there's two things. One, teams are either trading up for, for a quarterback or it has to be like a generational type ta- – or someone who some front office believes is like, a, like an elite, elite talent, kind of like what the Cowboys – I mean, when the Cowboys moved up for Morris Claiborne – it, they were talking about Deion Sanders with him, right? So I mean, like that's why you—that's why you trade up. I mean, I, I just don't think you trade up to get—you trade up significantly to get a, a little better uh, talent that you know of the same tier. It has to be either a franchise quarterback or it has to be a, a really, really good talent. 
And this just doesn't seem like the draft that has those guys. It just doesn't. It doesn't seem like there's like the, 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 the most likely scenario in this particular draft seems like it will have to be quarterback related, like a Trey Lance if he was if it to fall a little bit and he's still there. And then you got a team that's maybe in the teens and you're picking at like eight or nine or something like that. And they're willing to come up to, to, to get him because that they just are in love with him and they don't want somebody else to move up to 10 or 11 and get him. Then, yeah, then maybe, you know, kind of like how when Mahomes fell and Deshaun Watson fell right outside of, I think, where did Mahomes go? He go nine or 10? I think it was 11. 11. Was it 11? Okay. It I knew it was on the back end there. Yeah. Yeah. It was on the back end there. And then obviously Watson went right after him. So yeah, that I think is your best guy. I just don't see like, it's, I mean, maybe there's a team that's willing to come up from like seven or eight to get to three, if you were at three to get Penny Sewell. But I mean, there's just not, it doesn't seem like this draft has guys that people are going to be willing to do that for. And, you know, there's good players. And the more I, the more I look at it, um, as I'm getting a little deeper and studying these guys. I, and sad, why wouldn't anybody want to come up and get a corner after that? How well that Morris Claiborne thing worked out. Sorry, yeah, no, I, well, no, no, that's something that's, I, that's something I actually keep in mind. I think that those are types of things they, they probably still think about. They, oh yeah. Like 100%. Still, still stars 100%. them. But well, yeah, they would still it, have. They would probably still have Michael Brockers and Bobby Wagner, who they were supposed to draft with those picks if they didn't trade them. I think I would be more passionate about picking thirty sixth compared to forty third than I am about picking fifth compared to eleventh. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, oh, like I would want. I'm not saying like the players better, but I'm saying I think it would bother me more having to wait till picking forty third. I mean, up front, I'm kind of like, okay, make the quarterbacks go away. Someone might take a wide receiver or two. There's the Florida tight end, a couple offensive linemen that we know. Okay, and now, okay, now we can still get our guy picking 11. Um, and by the way, I'm per- perfectly happy if it's Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech or Patrick Sertain of Alabama. If you get those guys that'll pick 11 or pick nine, let's go. Hold on, yeah. hold on. <laughs> yeah, you look at you look at. Um... Is that a cough positions of value at the top here. And, you know, obviously the quarterbacks, the top four, Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance will probably be, be up there or in demand where the Cowboys are sitting. Um, but then, you know, we were talking today on, on prospects, the pros, Dane did his position rankings and, and kind of the top players at each position. And he was, and we were talking about the uh, wide receiver position and the top three wide receivers in this draft, Jamar Chase of LSU, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle, both of Alabama, he says are are better than the top three of last year. You know, the CD Lamb, Henry Ruggs uh, combo of of wide receivers. So yeah, though, I he, wonder he how... thinks those that, that you know last year we didn't see any any top wide receiver ten, top ten picks. He thinks there's going to be multiple this year. So you look at those two and quarterbacks. I mean, there's seven picks right there. Um, so yeah. I mean, it's gonna be, Cowboys can be in a really, really good position to make something happen if they want to. I remember sitting with Dane, uh, getting some lunch after the combine, well, the final day of workouts before I was about to fly out of Indy. And we were talking about the receivers in that draft class. And I said to him, I was like, what would happen if Jamar Chase was in this draft? And he was like, oh, he'd be the first wide receiver taken. Yeah. Now keep in mind at that time, they're coming fresh off of like, an historical season for LSU that it's just so crazy that like, it, it's like one of the most dominant seasons you've seen in a long time. It appears that Alabama is trying to top it literally the next year. But anyway, um, I just found that interesting. Cause I was like, 
yeah, like if he w- would have played this entire season, he would have made so many freak plays like he did the year before. I wonder how much a guy not playing is like taking him off of like not NFL teams radars. He's going to be on theirs, but like for us, you know, like like a Caleb Farley, not seeing them play, you know, Micah Parsons, things like that. So, yeah, I agree with you that there will be players. Um, I just I, I don't know if that they're going to be as I think I really feel like if you tell me right now, hey, the Cowboys ended up making a trade back like we, I'm looking in the crystal ball. I would say that it's probably because one of those quarterbacks were there. But Chase is a possibility, though. If there's a team that really believes that he is that number one receiver that could really, like, that's the missing piece on their offense. Oh, yeah. yeah maybe they come up there and get it. Yep. But my whole thing with that would be that why would you trade with the Cowboys? Why would you trade with the team behind them or the time behind team behind there? Because you know the Cowboys aren't taking yeah. Jamar Chase. That's kind of the reason why CD Lamb kept falling because people would be like, "Well, this team might take him." Oh, Denver already. Okay, well, they the didn't problem do this. is well, the Cowboys is aren't going to take if him. If you think the team behind the Cowboys is taking him, then you yeah, want to trade true. with the Cowboys and and because you know the Cowboys yeah. aren't taking him if they stay there. You know, so it's right. like an open spot for anyone that wants a quarterback or receiver because you know right. Dallas is not taking either if they resign Dak. Um, yeah. So last one here, uh, we'll wrap this up uh, with the questions again. Thanks for sending them in. Always feel free to send them and we'll keep them into a, a pile for the next mailbag segment. Um, this one was from Tim Thompson, who I mentioned earlier, and he says he sent one earlier in the week about a macro view of Jerry and his history of coaches. And I think that's an interesting topic because when you look at, at Jerry's history with, with hiring head coaches, when he's let head coaches go, I mean, you think about even Chan Gailey and Dave Campo in the late 90s. Each of those guys got like two or three years to to do it when the team was terrible and everyone knew they weren't the answer. Um, you know, so what we were kind of talking about earlier in terms of Jerry just saying what he needs to do is just saying, all right, this didn't work. Let's move on. Jerry's not like that. I mean, I, I think he's such a prideful person that he wants this to work so bad that he's going to wait this thing out just to, just so in three years he can say he was right and – Everyone was saying, I should have fired this guy. I'm so glad I stuck with him. I mean, he stuck with Jason Garrett for 10 years just so he he could eventually say, I raised this guy. This is my guy. You know, I was right. Um, so, yeah, Jerry doesn't like to admit he's wrong. He probably should in this case. Um, but historically, Jerry's not going to move on from a coach for a while. And that's just kind of what we have to live with, that, that, that Mike McCarthy is probably going to be here for at least three years of the five years. Yeah, that's a safe bet, and and I agree with everything you said about the ego and all that. That definitely goes into it. With that being said, and the only thing I have to add on this, and you guys can jump in, um, let next season look like this season, and then and then yeah, we'll let's yeah, true, revisit that. True. We'll revisit that that third year. If they like, have I that think next it'll, year, I think it'll be, look like this. Yeah, he's out. He's gone. I think <laughs> I think that they'll improve next season, just having the a full off season and being a little bit more adapted to the way this this season went with different COVID protocols, a lot of things that probably are going to stay somewhat similar next year. Obviously, you get Dak back, you get health, you're going you're gonna to have a relatively high pick in, in every round of the draft. So you should be a better team. But let them not be a better team. And then and then let them, then we'll take a look, look at that because I'm not so certain. But I do think they'll be better. So, yeah, I agree. I, I would say that Mike McCarthy's here for at least three years. Yeah, I would say so as well. And, and I agree about the Jerry Ego part. But also, I think Jerry... And, and John, you know, I, I know you've been there when we've talked about this with them after games when we were able to talk to him in previous seasons. He, he's, he's very aware of just like his mortality and just like, just like, you know, where he is in life and where, where all that is going. And so he's like, you know, what, that's why I didn't think he was going to go Lincoln Riley route or anything like that. He really wants to win right now. 
So with that being said, back to John's point, let another season like this happen and, and him know that this isn't going anywhere. I think he'll pull the plug if another season like this happens, but um, I don't think it's ever going. I don't think it's going to be this bad again. So um, I think Jerry really wants you know somebody that that can win right now. That's not going to be like a developmental coach who's going to eventually get there. So I think he'll stick there. It you know it's it's weird because you have the whole Jerry Jimmy thing. You have everything since then. The one outlier is Bill Parcells, and I don't know if if Jerry's ever going to you know get to that point again where he just like where he just kind of throws his hands up hires a legend and just backs off kind of it, it could happen because it's happened before but the body of work doesn't say that that's going to happen he said it a million times i don't have time to not have a good time what's the one thing that jerry's always had after a bad year the off money. season oh, well the money the money the boat yes but the off season and what can jerry do in the off season he can use his mouth to create optimism and sometimes yeah. he believes it. Yeah. And you can't – where's the optimism after two years in a row? It's already going to be a hard sell this year. There's – you know, but like it's going to happen. Look at this draft pick. Look at this top ten draft pick. We've added new defensive coordinator. Like he's going to have his reasons. It's all going to be there. Do that two years in a row. See how it works. Yeah. To, that, that's where it's over. Yeah. To the point of Bill Parcells, I mean, you guys mentioned it earlier, and this is a perfect way to, to cap this is – Jerry said, even, you know, when he hired him in the opening press conference, um, by the way, go check out my documentary on hiring Bill called Parcel's Final Ride on YouTube. Very good. Um, You know, Jerry said, we never thought Bill would be available. That's why he's here. You know, like as soon as the opportunity presented itself to hire Bill Parcel's, we jumped on it. And so who knows, maybe in the next six weeks, somebody gets fired um, a legendary coach is out there. Somebody, Tony Dungy throws his name back in the ring or something. You know, one of those things kind of happens like, Hey, wow, we could go this route. We've got this great team. Who knows? Um, but yeah, historically I wouldn't bet on it. And we'll be, we'll be talking here this time next year about Mike McCarthy's fate still. I, I can guarantee you that. All right. That wraps up the questions, KT. All right. Thank you very much for sending in questions. Maybe we'll do that again, uh, sometime before the regular season, oh, yeah. uh, ends. Um, obviously, Tech and X's and O's of some of these last games feels pointless unless the Cowboys beat the 49ers and the Washington football team takes another loss, and then we're talking division. We'll worry oh, yeah. about that later, though. Mm-hmm. We'll be back on Sunday night for um, a game recap. Cowboys, 49ers, two legendary NFL franchises. Getting after it at noon on CBS, just like you always imagined it. At AT&T Stadium. God, the glory days. Um, so we'll see you there. Uh, the game's at noon. Well, we're not going to the game. But uh, are you going to the game, John? Oh, I will be there. You, why would, yeah, you, go, you don't yeah, miss you a go, classic yeah. matchup like this. Yeah. You'll, you'll in go. In your backyard. John, remember the um, – I, I remember sitting in the press box in 2013, I think, the Colin Kaepernick uh, – I think it was week one of the season. 2014. 2014. Okay. Uh, remember that game? Uh, yeah, and uh, that was like the only game they really kind of lost that year. Who was it? Uh, linebacker for the uh, for the Forty ers What was his name? Patrick Willis. Patrick, Patrick Patrick Willis. Absolutely had an interception that game. Absolutely took over that game. That's the last like good matchup between the Cowboys and Forty ers I can remember, and that was what, seven years ago. So yeah, this is a rivalry that needs to come back at some point in a significant way. Absolutely, it does. Absolutely, it does. So we'll be enjoying that. And um, 
Yeah, we'll be back. So make sure you check out The Athletic, everything we've got going. Sod, your new Dallas Stars beat writer, of course. Um, for our producer, Kent Garrison. For Father John Mashoda. For Saad Yusuf. Saad, dude. I am Kevin KT Turner. We'll see you next time on another edition of About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs> <laughs>